This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the channel and welcome back to another edition of the Spurs Chat Podcast. I'm joined by an absolute legend today, an actor, a singer, Tottenham Hotspur fan, Sean Maguire, joining us all the way from Hollywood. Sean, absolute pleasure to have you here. And we were speaking off air. I didn't even know you were a Tottenham Hotspur fan. Otherwise, I would have invited you on this channel a couple of years ago. But first of all, how are you? I'm very well, mate. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. It's lovely to be on with you. I enjoy your podcast, so um, it's nice to it's nice to be with you. Thank you so much. And first of all, um, is the actor's strike still on? How how are things over there? No, thankfully, it, it just ended um, uh, sort of just before Christmas. But it was uh, it was pretty. It was not it was not a good time for our industry. And uh, you know, obviously, I follow the news from back home and. I see teachers strike and doctors strikes and rail workers strikes. And it's the same thing, really. It's just, you know, the people at the top are trying to keep all of the money. They're not, they don't even want to share a 90-10 split. So it was tough. And it's it's going to be a little bit tough kind of coming out of that because there's a bit of a reshuffling going on in the industry here. Um, but uh, but we are a, sort of essentially kind of now back to work. So thank thank goodness that's all over now. Sean, let's get talking about Tottenham. Um mm. How did you become a Tottenham fan? When did you become a Tottenham fan? Who got you into Tottenham? Uh, well, my whole family in Ireland, um, most of them in, in sort of County Cavan and some of them in the northern, uh, you know, in Ballymena in Northern Ireland, um, all Spurs fans. We've got one or two renegades that just to be difficult have decided to, my cousin Eddie, who actually is a Spurs ticket season holder, but he's a Liverpool fan. So I'm shouting out to you, Eddie. Yeah, so now all the Spurs fans know you're not really one of us. Uh, but with the exception of one or two, all of my family are are, are big Spurs fans. And what, I think one of my earliest memories was, uh, you know, you asked me off air, how's my Spurs knowledge? Uh, the year that we won, before it was Champions League, when we won the European Cup, whatever that was called, the UEFA European Cup. Remember when, was it Ray Parks in goal who saved the penalty? and UEFA Cup 84, yeah. 84. Okay. Uh, that was sort of one of my like first memories of us as a family going, come on. And even my Nana, God rest her soul was like, you know, jumping out of the chair. And um, it was just, it was just, it's like, it was always there. Was, Spurs were always part of the family DNA. And, and I remember going to the ground to, to White Hart Lane when it was still all standing, you know what I mean? So it goes back a long time. And then when I moved over to LA 20, three, 24 years ago, I was back in London and I ended up doing an interview on the radio with Paul Coit, you know, the great yeah. Paul Coit. 
And he said, you're a Spurs fan? I said, yeah. And he goes, oh, you should come down and let me introduce you. And he introduced me to Mike Rolo. Did you ever meet Mike? Yeah. Legend at Spurs. And he said, look, I know you live in America, but if you're ever back and you, you want to come to a game, just give me a call. And if you don't mind kind of singing for your supper, you know, if you don't mind getting up in one of the function rooms and talking about whatever TV show or movie you're making, then we'll always have a ticket for you. And I was like... <laughs> I was like, I'll, I'll run naked through the pitch if you'll take care of me every time I come back. So that really kind of uh, was great. And I got to I got to go and see a couple of really great games. Uh, sadly, I mean, I was invited by the club to come and have a look at the stadium just before they'd finished building it. So I went with my cousin, Mark, uh, and we had a walk around and I was just blown away. And then I got to, I was back in England Last summer, or what was this? I guess it was the summer before, and I took my sons for a tour. Unfortunately, it was the off season, but uh, I took my sons for a tour of the ground, and I was like, "Oh my god, we've we've arguably got the best stadium in the world." So, I don't know. I feel, despite what other people say, you know, you haven't won a trophy in so long. And I'm like, no, I know, but there's lots of clubs that haven't won a trophy in a while. Um, but I feel like we're growing. I feel like we're building. And my eight year old son, who is obsessed with football, has said to me a few times, like, Dad really? Why, why Tottenham? And I'm like, listen, son, I've been waiting 47 years. It's going to come good. It'll come good on your watch. Trust me. We've got Ange Postacoglu now. It's going to get better. Just just give it time. He's building something. So give it time. Well, Sean, one of my favourite sayings is the trophies are coming. So hopefully they're coming very, very soon. We'll talk I, about I, that. Listen, I, don't, I don't have any delusions of grandeur. I don't, I don't think, uh, you know, I would be, I think like a lot of fans, I'd be really, really happy with top four this year and maybe a good run in the FA Cup. But I think, you know, looking towards next season, we have a manager now that I think, not just Spurs fans, I've heard Arsenal fans, I've heard Chelsea, West Ham fans going, he's, yeah. good. he's good. And I, I can't tell you, I, I have a, a, a mild obsession with Ange Postecoglou. I, I watch every single press conference interview you put up, I watch, because, you know, as an actor, I, I find he, he probably would have been a great actor because he's so charismatic, he's so honest, he's so to the point, but he's also funny uh, and charming. But, you know, I think you posted the clip where somebody asked him about Eric not playing or something. And he said, oh, is that because of the move? And he went, no, no, it's because he pulled a hamstring. And then the journalist followed up and he went, don't question my integrity, mate. And I was like, that's my man right there. You do not mess. Like, he's a gentle giant. But if you anger him, yeah, he uh, he may just stomp all over you. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I loved Ponchettino. I loved Harry Redknapp. Still do. But uh, I think maybe he's maybe one of the most exciting managers we've had, you know, maybe in my lifetime. So I, I really hope it continues to go from strength to strength with him. Exciting times ahead, certainly. Um, Sean, what is it like supporting Spurs now over in America? Well, since I got here in like 2000, you know, you could get football on Fox. There was a package uh, and then David Beckham came and joined LA Galaxy and football just generally, or soccer as they call it, which annoys me. But um, it, it's grown so much bigger and there's so many more places. Pubs and stuff are, are you know, a Tottenham pub or an Arsenal pub. It, it's just, as a country, the sport has grown exponentially uh, over the last 20 years. I think David moving to, to Galaxy was a big deal. And of course, you know, him purchasing or... Uh, acquiring Messi for for uh, into Miami uh, into Miami it's just it's complete I mean every kid at my at my son's school they're all running around with into Miami Messi jerseys like it's it's dramatically changed so yeah I can see America 
you know, really becoming bigger and bigger on the football stage over the next sort of 10 years because nearly every kid is is really into it now, which wasn't quite the case 20 years ago, you know? Do you get up at ridiculous times watching the Spurs games? Well, I don't know if I said this to you on camera, off camera, but I, I'm so, I've got so obsessive about it now and I'm so um, invested that... Um, if it's like the Arsenal game and it's on at four thirty in the morning, I, I, I purposely won't get up because I can't. I can't bear it. I'm I, like every play, every every advance. I'm like, oh god, please just let it go in. Just let us get this because I, I, I can't bear it. the whole weekend is is a write off for me after we've lost a big game. I mean, the, the Chelsea game earlier in the season, my brother Darren, who lives in a different state, was going to be in town. I said, great, we can watch the Chelsea game together. And for the first eleven minutes, we're like, <laughs> and then it just turns and. Honestly, after that, I was just, I was inconsolable. I was just like, that's it. I don't want anyone to talk to me for the next 24 hours. Because it wasn't just losing to Chelsea, which hurts, but to lose Madders and to lose Mickey van der Ven and to, you know, the, the bookings and everything else. I was just like, oh, God. Oh, and it's to Chelsea. It re that one really hurt. So I'm trying to manage my emotions now when I watch the game. I mean, the City game is going to be a tough one to watch, but we have a pretty good record against them. So who knows? Sean, I was over in America a couple of years ago and met up with the LA Spurs group because, of course, there's groups all over the world. Um, you know, yeah. so the support for Tottenham is unbelievable. Have you ever met up with those guys, LA Spurs? Yeah, I have. Like I said, there's a, there's a, there's a pub near me that is now considered like a Spurs pub. So, uh, you know, sometimes if I'm not working or if I'm not doing something with the kids, I'll, I'll try and go to the pub and watch it. But I, to be honest... Uh, I, I get so uh, <laughs> I get so emotional about it that if there's somebody in the pub going out, there, I, I'm I'm going to get myself in trouble. So a lot of yeah. the time, it's better that I just watch it in the safe confines of my home, and then I can shout and scream at the telly and and stomp around my house if it doesn't go well. So I, I'm I think for the bigger games, I always feel like if I go and watch it with a crowd of people, I'm going to jinx it. Like like me going or not going is going to affect the result, but. Yeah, as I say, it just it, it. As I get older, I should be more rational and calm about it. It's going the other way. I'm I'm getting too emotionally invested in it. So, yeah, a loss now is it. it before I'd be like, oh, it's only football. Now I'm like, why? Why, God? Give us a win, you know. So, yeah, I think I think I'm probably better off watching it at home. Sure, many people will know you from the early days, Grange Hill, 1988 to 1991, Eastenders in 1993. What are your favourite memories from working um, on those shows? And, uh, of course, in EastEnders, you played a footballer. How good were you? <laughs> Not good. <laughs> Not good. It's funny. Uh, you know, Elstree, where we filmed EastEnders, the closest ground is Luton. And so when I got the job and they said, so you're going to be a footballer and all of that, so we're going to get you training with the Luton team. And I was 16, going on 17, I think. And, you know, I've never been the biggest guy. never been, you know. And, you know... When you watch football, I don't think, I mean, you'll know because you, you meet the players and stuff. They're a lot bigger in real life. And when you're on a field, trying, and I was thought, I'm not bad. I can kick a ball about. And then you go and play with like the reserve semi-pros. And these were young lads. These were sort of seven, under 18s or something. I just felt like I was uh, an oompa loompa running around. You know, they're just, I, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, I play regularly. I play five-a-side out here. I, I coach my son's team. I just took. I just had to take my referees exam last night because I. Oh wow! There's a certain amount of uh, you have to volunteer stuff, and none of the rest of the parents could do it. And I was because you have to do biometrics, eye scan, fingerprints, and I'd already done that for my coaching badge. So now I'm an I'm officially a referee, which is the weirdest <laughs> sentence I think I've ever said. 
Um, but um, with sorry, with with uh, with EastEnders, uh, it was really really good fun, and it was great playing. The Luton lads were really nice to me, uh, but it reminded me just. You know, like in your head, you go, yeah, maybe I could have made it. And like, no, I, I definitely could not. I've got a lot of friends in football and every now and then, even when I play five a side, I'm, I'm old now, but just I'm reminded every now and then I've, you know, because we play up at a mate's house who's, who's a bit fancy. He's got his own five a side pitch. And occasionally we'll get, you know, pros coming up. And I remember Robbie Keane coming up to play. Um, and I'm, you know, I love Robbie Keane. Irish Tottenham, you know, he's a legend in my opinion and nicest guy in the world. And just watching him on a football pitch, because you think, oh, the standard we play, that's not bad. And then Robbie came along and it was like, it was like the rest of us were standing still. So I think people, when they're watching football, go, yeah. oh, you should have made that pass. You should have done that. Get on a football pitch again and try and try and do what you see. And it, it gives you a clearest perspective on how hard it is uh, to do it rather than watch it. The standard of the Premiership is just ridiculous, you know? So, um, so yeah, EastEnders was fun. Growing Till was a lot of fun. Uh, but I think uh, being young, you're just always nervous and, and feeling like, oh, am I, am I cutting it? Am I not? And especially playing football. I remember when those episodes aired, a lot of my mates were like, I knew you were bad. But good. And I was like, that, that was the good take. That's where they made me look all right. So... Yeah, I think I'll, I'll stick to uh, I think I'll stick to my own profession. Do you think you ever come back to the UK, Sean, to to, to act full time here? Well, do you know what I was going to sort of avoid talking about it? But there's a there's a show that I've created that I'm developing that I, I've written uh, that that will be shot in the in the UK. So we're we're in a sort of development stage at the moment. But my hope um, is that um, this year I might be spending quite a bit more uh, time in in the UK and. Obviously, one of the reasons I'm excited about that, other than seeing friends and family and all of that stuff, is to to get to a couple of games and to take my son, my son Flynn, who's eight now, and a, a pretty decent left-footed winger. Uh, the idea of taking him to to the Spurs ground and watching a game is is something that I'm genuinely really excited about. So yeah, I hope so. I hope a lot more of England uh, in our in our near future. You're saving it for the Champions League in September, I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sean, what, um, what players have you really enjoyed watching at Spurs over the years? Who's, who's been your uh, favourite? I mean, working backwards, obviously, Harry Kane is uh, iconic for our club. And and towards the end, I, I felt like, you know what? You've given us so much. The, a player of his calibre does deserve to go and win trophies, and we're not quite there yet. So I, I was OK with Harry leaving, but huge fan of him as a player, as as a leader, as a role model, all of that. I take that stuff really uh, seriously. You know, when I see players ignore kids asking for an autograph, that really kind of winds me up. And I just think he was a great ambassador. But I was thinking about this, knowing that I was knowing that I was going to talk to you, and I was like, who is my favourite of all time? And of course, it's much easier to think about present players because we're watching them. But I honestly think Sonny might be my favourite player in the history of Spurs. I mean, my wife's granddad talks about when he became a Spurs fan when he moved over from Ireland. He watched Jimmy Greaves get a hat trick, and that's what turned him onto a Spurs fan. And I think you know we forget how great Jimmy Greaves was and some of the great players of the past. But you know, players like Ginola, Lineker, Gaza, Ozzy Ardiles, you know, Ricky Villa. Um, I mean, we've we've seemed to always have one or two great legendary players. Yeah. 
and then just not quite enough support to to translate translate that into wins. But but yeah, I, I mean, at the moment as well, I think you know the the players that have come in. I mean, Madison obviously has become a an amazing asset for us. But Mickey Van der Ven, uh, again, I was just like, where this kid looks like he's super or something. He's big, he's tall, he's so fast. Um, but I, I really like the squad that we're that we're building at the moment. Um, it just looks like I think obviously we noticed as soon as we hit that period of injuries and suspensions and stuff, you can see we just don't have it in depth yet in the way that someone like a Man City or a, or a Liverpool do. But I think it's coming. I think Poslu um, and, and the is it Fabrizio who's the who's the sporting manager now? I forget. Did he get fired? I've lost track. But well, Fab, Fabio Prasci is still working on a consultancy basis because he was banned from doing his proper job. Right. Yeah. Well, the the sport whoever's sort of bringing in talent, I think that they they seem like they so far are getting it really right. So that's why I sort of say I think next season. You know, with a few more acquisitions and stuff, we we could be, we could look like a pretty serious contender. But you know, when you look at City and then they've missed Haaland for what nine games and they've won eight out of nine, even without a, a superstar player like him. So it just shows you the the quality they've got all over the pitch and 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 backed up on the bench. So we definitely need a little bit more. Uh, we need a few more to 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 swap like for like if we're really going to be contenders. I think. Sean, before I get your thoughts on this season so far under Postecoglou, what have you made of the last couple of years? Because, of course, Champions League final, 2019, a couple of months later, Pochettino got the sack. Jose Mourinho came in literally overnight. If yeah. someone went to bed early that night and then got up in the morning, you know, Pochettino's suddenly there, then Jose's holding up the shirt. And then, of course, uh, we went through um, Nuno Espirito Santo, uh, Antonio Conte, and now, of course, we've got Anne. What have you made of the last couple of years? Because... We'll talk about the last six months in a minute under Postacoglu, but, you know, we, we did go through a pretty strange and, and difficult period. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm, I'm an optimist, eternal optimist. And uh, I think when they let Ponchettino go, that was one of the biggest disappointments I've felt because I loved him. I, lo I, I, I love a, a manager that uh, has the love and respect of, of his players. And I think and, uh, that uh, uh, Ponchettino really... And we had a great squad then. And, uh, you know, he said, he said in an interview, we have a lovely house now, but we have no furniture. Yeah. And so many times where we were getting close and we just needed to spend that little bit more to get to that next level. And then, and then they fired him. And, you know, no disrespect to Jose Mourinho because the man is an, uh, you know, a legendary manager. And I actually think I find his press conferences fascinating. I love his attitude. I think he's great value for money. Um, and I felt for him losing his job at Roma, but the stats are what they are. But I just thought, no, 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 not Jose. After the run he had at Man United, after the second spell at Chelsea, all of that, I just thought, no, wrong. It's just wrong, wrong, wrong. So, and then, you know, uh, I, I grew to like him a bit, but the results just weren't there. Uh, when they brought in Conte, I felt the exact same thing. I was like, look, this is, we're going in the wrong direction here. And uh, Conte, I tried really hard to like him. But I just felt like he was just a big crybaby. He was just a big complaining. Did you not think at the time when we appointed Jose or Conte, this is finally the time we're going to win something? No, I genuinely really? didn't. No, I genuinely didn't. I said, look, their record is is their record. They're both world-class managers and have won something nearly everywhere they went. But I just felt, and again, I'm not encyclopedic enough to football to know, but 
I just thought, I don't think that's where we wanted to go. Um, I think we were just trying to buy somebody's reputation rather than buying a really serious, fresh, inventive, new game plan and getting back. Tottenham are best when they play on the front foot. They're best when they are an exciting, dynamic sort of team. Parking the bus just doesn't seem to be in our DNA. And I felt that Jose and Conte, their style of play, I mean, look, you compare that their tenure and then you compare how, I mean, what Postal Cog, I heard somebody the other day, someone, some idiot, I think it was probably Paul Merson going, uh, oh, he worked, he walked into a perfect club. And I was like, what? Do you follow football? We haven't won anything, in, you know. But um, I just felt that when Postal Coglu came in, I thought, okay, so this guy's won the, did he win the triple at, at Celtic? He, he's, at, he's got a great record, but yeah. not, not a household name, really, you know, globally in football, I thought. And I was like, again, well, let's see. But as soon as he started talking and doing press conferences, I was like, this guy's a little bit different. He's really, really smart. I would imagine Postacoglu's probably got a, an IQ of 140 because he just seems to, he has a measured approach. He's very, very smart. He's careful about what he says, but he also is very, very genuine. Uh, and what you see is what you get. And that's one of my favorite qualities in a person. And I think he, like, you know, one of the other managers that I absolutely love is Jurgen Klopp. And he's got that same thing as Klopp. Great football knowledge, a, a likeable human being. But also, you know, Klopp did something at Liverpool where the players genuinely love him and would walk through fire for him. I think the same thing's happening with Postacoglu. The, and he just stands up for his players. He defends his players. He wouldn't throw them under the bus like a, a Conte did. Um, so, yeah, he's just... I mean, I, I just have great hopes that that we maybe have finally... I thought Harry Redknapp had an amazing period. I love Harry Redknapp. Uh, I love Jamie, his son, and I, I loved Mauricio Pontratino. But this is the first time since either of them when I was like, maybe this is the guy. Maybe this is the guy who's going to kind of bring Tottenham back to, you know, a level where, where they should be, you know? Do you know what, Sean? I was lucky enough to have uh, about 12 minutes with Harry Redknapp a couple of weeks ago. I just watched it. I watched... He, he, he was absolutely superb. And I'll tell you what, I could I could have sat there all day if, if, if I was allowed to talk yeah. to him about football, an incredible guy. Um, what have you made of Spurs this season? Because I think many people expected it to be a transition. Postacoglu said recently that uh, we're in the title race. You know, we're only five points away from top spot. Um, Champions League football is surely the aim. The FA Cup, of course, all of us want Spurs to win the FA Cup. It's been so long. Yeah. Uh, but what have you made of the football? What have you made of uh, what Postacoglu has brought to Tottenham? Well, I think I think the fact that, you know, you have to take into account the fact that we lost arguably the best striker on the planet as he as he's walking in the door, which is an extraordinary blow for, for an incoming manager. But in a weird way, I think that that has been the making of us because we were so reliant on Harry and we were so like, just give the ball to Harry and let him work a miracle. Yeah. Now it's sort of fallen to the team like every one of us has to do our job now. We can't rely on one guy. And, you know, even with Sonny missing and, and you know, Ben Tancor banging one in or was it Basima? Uh, I can't remember who scored the other one the other night. But um, Richarlison. Was it? Sorry, who? Richarlison. Oh, it was Richarlison, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, I just think, um, I, I, I think that he, as a manager, and the style of football, the the atmosphere at the club, uh, the kind of 
way that he's going about his business makes me feel really, really optimistic. But I do think, you know, look, we've waited, what, since, was it 1962, 1965, something like that. So, you know, another year, I, I don't mind. Let him build what he's building. But I think eventually, you know, the board or Daniel Levy, just just give him the money just to see if if the funds are there. Can we have a real shot? I mean, I'm hoping top four this year, but I mean, maybe next season we really could we really could have a good run. So, I, I, as I say, I'm an optimist. I'm really really hopeful, but uh, I also don't expect Rome to be built in a day. You know, we've got to give him some time. Uh, I think this season so far, obviously that first run of was it ten games, yeah, looked absolutely incredible. Uh, and then that Chelsea game, everything seemed to change. But I think what's more important to take note of is the fact that even even though we lost, what was it? We didn't win in five, but we lost sort of three in a row and all of that. But then even with some key personnel missing, we've, we've, we've you know, pushed ourselves over the line and got a result. So I keep thinking when Madders is back fully fit, when Van der Ven's fully fit, Ben Tanko is fully fit. And then, you know, Brendan Johnson's still kind of getting, learning his role in the club and everything. But I think he's a great young player. Sonny comes back from the Asian Cup. Timo Werner, I, you know, if any manager can get that guy back to the form he was in at Leipzig or something like that, I think Ange is our guy. So you start to think, when we've got a fit squad, uh, I think we could give literally anybody a run for their money. Uh, but I, I think it's got to, you've got to keep building and you've got to keep, he's, you know, he's swapping out a lot of people that, that he doesn't see in their plans, which I think is a good idea. But you've got to let him put his own stamp on the club. He's got to get rid of the people that aren't playing the football he wants. And you've got to bring in people that are, are really, I mean, is it Ragu, uh, uh, Radu? Radu, Radu Dragusin. Yeah, I mean, you know, he obviously was like, I want that guy. And I think I can work with Timo Werner. And I think, you know, this is the thing, letting letting the manager really buy what he thinks he needs to strengthen the squad, uh, as opposed to just telling him this is who you're having. So I think if Ange gets, I mean, look, the results he's had have been incredible. And, and I think when you listen to other people in football, you know, the likes of Gary Neville or whoever going, I told him I'm looking different, you know? I mean, maybe he's just deflecting from how bad Man United are, but but I do think he's he's speaking the truth. And obviously Arsenal look very good this year, but um I don't know. I, I still I still fancy us more than them. And and they're they're a bit, you know, they've let Mikhail Arteta go further down the road. They gave him time and he's proven that that was the right thing to do. But uh, it'll be interesting. The derby this year will be another one that I'll probably be watching it behind a pillow. Uh, but but on our day with 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 our full squad, I genuinely fancy our chances against anyone. I completely agree. Um, with what Spurs have done in the transfer window so far, Sean, I know you mentioned Daniel Levy earlier about uh, backing the manager and spending money. When we have spent big money, like Tongi on Dombele, it hasn't worked mm. out. The recruitment has been poor. Um, I think, you know, a lot of Spurs fans will agree that the recruitment has been poor in recent years. And even under Pochettino, we didn't spend a penny in yeah. multiple transfer windows for 518 days, it was. Um, of course, we signed players like Jed Spence, Antonio Conte called them club signings. Yeah. It does seem to be um, a big, big difference to what we're doing now in the transfer windows under Postacoglu. Like the summer one, an exceptional window in my eyes. This yeah. window, Spurs are one of the only Premier League clubs to, to be getting business done. And I know FFP has a lot to do with that with Premier League clubs. But what do you think, um, who else do you think that Spurs need in this transfer window? Perhaps a midfielder? Do you, do you think that that might happen? 
I mean, look, you mentioned Dembele before, and and it's funny because I think to to the casual watcher of football, yeah, he didn't really have that much impact. But when you listen to other players talk about him, ex-Spurs players, other players, they're like, he's one of the best footballers I've ever been on a pitch with. It just sometimes I think that that doesn't always transfer to results. But, I, you know, there's so many different reasons to why a, a signing works or doesn't work. Uh, I think the big difference is Ange Postacoglu is not going to bring in anybody that isn't completely singing from the same hymn sheet. You know, the fact that Radu, Radu, um, you know, had that last minute offer to go to Bayern Munich and he was like, no, I'd rather go to Spurs. Yeah. Sort of tells you something that, you know, talking about the summer window, Spurs are a club, you know, because they're, you know, it's Tottenham Hotspur, but they're burgeoning, they're, they're, they're bubbling, they're building towards something. And I think that, you know, in the summer window, when you've got a real young, bright talent that's looking at having, you know, five, six, seven years at a club, Tottenham are a much more appealing, uh, you know, uh, venue to go to now than than some of our other rivals. Do you know what I mean? And so it's not just about the money. It's about a player going, who's got the philosophy and who's got the kind of energy and the vibe that, I mean, Tottenham just seems like an exciting place. The players seem to be really loving each other. There's a great bond. Um, so it just seems like a great place to go play your football. So I think that's going to make a really big difference to who is interested in wanting to come. So, I mean, as for who they need and who they buy, I mean, look, we all know you win games by not conceding goals or, or you at least don't lose games by not conceding goals. But, um, you know, when you look at, we've got Romero, we've got Mickey van der Ven, we've got, I mean... Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The, the big problem is we, we look great attacking now, but and we play that high line. But at the same time, you need someone like a Mickey van der Ven and maybe a few more like him to be able to get back uh, at speed to stop it going in at the other end. So to be honest, I'm not, I'm not wise enough in football terms to say we definitely need this or we definitely need that. But yeah, I mean... If you've got a really rock solid defense, if you bring in someone like a, a Virgil van Dijk or whatever, but and that, that's what I think, you know, with um, with with Undogi and and Romero and Mickey van der Ven, if we've got almost two sets of a back three or back four, because if we are playing Champions League and we're playing FA Cup and we're playing Caribbean Cup and everything next year, uh, yeah. even though we will we will have grown and got better, we've got far more football to play and you know during the winter months a lot more injuries and stuff like that so it's just it's just just quality in depth um but as for who they should buy i'm not i'm not wise enough to to tell you that well it's been a good transfer window so far if we can get one or two more in the door i think uh, it'd be exceptional again um now sean let's talk about your singing career because between 1994 and 1998 you released three albums yeah. It was good day. Uh, you appeared on top of the pops. You toured with Boyzone. Yeah. How was all of that? How was it? Yeah. Very drunken. <laughs> Very. I mean, look, to be honest with you, uh, the music thing came about sort of more by accident than design. Uh, you know, I was in EastEnders and the character I played was a popular character and as an Irish footballer, it was all nice and light. So people like that because EastEnders was very depressing. And then, hello, how's it going? I like football, comes along. And you go, oh, he's all right. 
so after EastEnders, I got offered lots of record deals, but I kept saying, no, uh, well, thank you. I, I can't sing. I can't play. I'm not a musician. And their response was, that's all right. Doesn't matter. It's English pop, you know. And so I turned it down several times. And then I, I had a really bad motorcycle accident and I nearly died. Uh, I hit a wall at about 50 miles an hour, uh, an hour on a speedway track. And when I was lying in the hospital, I just thought I could be dead now. And I don't know where my next job's coming from. Uh, why don't I try this pop thing for a laugh? I'll make one single. It'll be rubbish, and I'll be um, and I'll be sent packing. And it it just went on a bit longer than I thought. And then you know touring with Boyzone, and it was sort of my university years. It was like eighteen to twenty one, twenty two. So I just thought, oh, you know, I'll have a laugh. I know I'm not a great singer or a great pop star. And the irony is, I wasn't even that passionate about music then. But now I'm incredibly passionate about music. But I'm about 20 years too late. Um, but you know what? It was it was fun. I got to do a lot of traveling. I got to do a lot of things that kind of bucket list things like playing to 100,000 people or playing Wembley Arena or playing uh, arenas and stuff like that. So it was really, really fun. Uh, it just now when people ask about it, it feels like it wasn't me. It feels like it was some inception <laughs> wild dream. But no, I'm glad I did it. And, and it was a lot of fun. But uh I don't think I'll be getting back together with myself and reforming anytime soon. What, what about if we're uh, on the way to Wembley, 2024? <laughs> <laughs> well, we've already got. Who's the guy? That, uh, sung, James Black. Yeah, the, the song, Robbie's song. Um, yeah. I was like, how are you going to beat that? He's got it covered. He's got it covered. I'll, I'll come and sing a chorus with him if I'm at Spurs, if he's around. Sean, you're, you're good friends with Robbie Williams, aren't you? Yeah, we were really, really tight. We, we've kind of lost touch a little bit because he moved back to England and then he's back and forth. And uh, then I got married and had kids and he got married and had kids. Uh, but Robbie used to be uh, one of the mates. Uh, he built a five-a-side pitch up at his house. So we used to play some because he's obsessive. And uh, so it, we started off playing once a week and then it became twice a week and then it became three times a week. And then I was like, I'm playing more football than <laughs> the reserves at the moment uh but but that was that was great and it was a great way because you know any bands or any people over from england a lot of actors and stuff come up and it was just great fun it was really 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 fun so yeah really grateful to to rob for kind of helping us build a little bit of a football community and of course when he sold his house and moved uh sean stewart so rod stewart's son was like well my dad's got a pitch and we we're like come on then let's go to rod stewart's so wow. <laughs> You know, going from Robbie's pitch to Rod Stewart's pitch just sounds like, oh, you name-dropping git. But to be honest, it's just they've got a pitch, a floodlit pitch where you can go and play. So it's it's been great. And it's sort of kept uh, the ability to play football uh, alive because, you know, it's a lot of actors and musicians and we sort of have this no going in hard, don't try and break anyone's legs, we've all got to work in the morning kind of thing. Because I played Sunday League football out here when I first got here. And where I live, there's a big Mexican community and, and they they are ballers. They can play. And, you know, they were going in hard. We had a lot of injuries and stuff. And I was like, I'm going to break a leg or an arm or something. And then I'm going to get kicked off a show for playing sport when I shouldn't. So playing five aside with a bunch of namby-pamby actors and singers is, is much more my speed. Everyone's like, not the face, not the face. <laughs> Sean, you mentioned the term there, name-dropping gear. I want you to be one. I want you to tell me who, who the most famous people in your phone book uh, and the, re the reason I ask you that is that Spurs actually put out on social media today all the players come through and said, who's the most famous person in your phone book? And I thought, I'm going to ask Sean that later on. You know what? That's so funny because I saw that this morning. I thought, <laughs> he'll ask me that. And I was like, who's the most famous person on my phone? 
Uh, I mean, I've got lots of mates who are actors and stuff, uh, you know, that are considered sort of famous. But I was like, who's the most famous? Somebody I'm still really good friends with. We did a, my first movie over here was the actor Martin Short, um, who's arguably the nicest man on the planet. I love him. He's just he's just the greatest guy. He and I and Christina Applegate did a movie together, and I'm still very close with both of them. And this this get ready for some serious name drop nonsense here so martin after i did the, the movie with him he said hey do you want to come and do this shakespeare reading with a bunch of actors and stuff and i was like yeah 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 i love doing shakespeare just we just read the script and he was like yeah so it's tom hanks and his wife and it's a bunch of other people and i was like tom hanks okay oh wow and then when i got there it was robin williams billy crystal tom hanks martin sheen william shatner it, i was just like Oh, you're, wow. all, you're all globally famous, and I'm just the idiot who got lost and turned up late. But that, I did it like seven or eight years in a row, and one year Anthony Hopkins did it. And Anthony Hopkins is sort of like my ultimate acting hero. And he was just the nicest guy in the world. And we'd spent the day chatting and everything, you know, about life and acting and marriage and love and all of that. And he, he wrote his phone number on my script. Uh, he goes, if you ever want to run lines or something, just give me a call. I'm like, sure, I'm going to ring Sir Anthony Hopkins to run a sitcom or some silly show that I'm doing. But he he's, I'd say probably Sir Anthony Hopkins is probably the uh, the best name I've got in the phone book. But I, I phoned him once to help me with something, which he did. And now I'm too scared to ever phone him again. But but he's 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 worthy of the title legend for sure. I'm so glad I asked that question now. <laughs> do i get penalized for dropping too many names Am that's I gonna... unbelievable that's that's incredible sean what's uh you've, you've had a fantastic career of course uh you know you started working in the uk and then got, gone out to the us what's been your best job what's been, been your most favorite job that you've done uh i did a job uh the first i did a movie when i got over here and then i did a tv show and it it was on in the uk but annoyingly it was on at like one in the morning or something so a lot of my mates would see it when they were coming in from clubs on a friday night but it was by the makers of American Pie. And it was a show called Off Center. And it was very like American Pie. It was like me and this other guy called Eddie K. Thomas, who you'd know as Finch from American Pie. We shared an apartment and he was like a sweet guy who works for nonprofit. And I was a disgusting, womanizing, lascivious English prince. So it was really easy to play. I didn't have to do any research or anything. Um, uh, and and there's another guy called John Cho who's who's now become a very successful movie star, and another guy called Jason George, who's uh, one of the actors on Grey's Anatomy and Station 19. And those three guys to this day are like my three best mates that that I've made over here. So and that show was just just we just laughed all day, turn up, laugh all day, and go home. I mean, it was just it didn't get any better than that. So that was probably the most fun job. Uh, probably not the most successful or the, the most watched, but definitely the most fun to to make. And I mean, what kind of job do you turn up and go, right, how do we make the audience laugh for half an hour? And uh, all the writers, the staff, the crew, just just all brilliant. And to this day, I think I that one still probably remains my most fun experience. Sean, when I put out on social media that um, stating you were going to come on the, uh, the channel, someone replied and said, is he the hot guy from Scott and Bailey? He just said no. No, that's another actor. But he'll be, I'll, I'll be sure to pass that on to you. To him. Um, it's funny because when Scott and Bailey came up, because my wife used to be a detective in North London, 
for the Metropolitan Police. And she, when we met, she was still living in London, still working for the Met, still a detective and a Spurs fan, very important. Um, and Scott and Bailey, the first season was on, the first series was on TV. And my now wife, she was my girlfriend, was staying at my mum and dad's. And Tanya, my wife, and my mum would watch Scott and Bailey the first season. And when I came over, she said, there's this great show called Scott and Bailey. It's the most accurate female detective show I've ever seen. They've got it bang right. And then a few months later, I got asked to do the second season. And so I'm in, in the show with Saran Jones, who's one of the best people in the world, and Leslie Sharp, really, really lovely cast. And then she watched the second season. I was like, huh? What do you think? She's like, it's not as good as the first season. <laughs> what? I joined your favourite show. And then she's like, it's just gone down a little bit. It's just, just not quite as good. So there's no there's no chance of being able to get a big head with my family or my wife. Everyone's just like, shush, shut it. <laughs> uh, but, but Scott and Bailey was another job that was really, really nice. It was just difficult to do because I kept having to fly from LA to London and then travel from London to Manchester. And I was like, I can't do this for too long. Uh, I'd have to be living back in, in England. Um, but, you know, as I said, maybe this year might be the first time in 23, 24 years that we come back and spend a significant amount of time. And I, I really have missed England. I mean, I go back often, but to go back and have a, a proper length of time yeah. together with friends and family and, you know, go and watch a game or two uh, is really, really exciting. Sean, where were you when Lucas Mora scored that third goal? And who were you with? Do you know what you mentioned that earlier? I remember it. That's probably, I would say, my greatest footballing memory ever uh, above all i remember i was in new york um one of my best mates is a is a restauranter in the in the hamptons quite fancy and we were at his house and i was ex he used to be a roommate with me and i was explaining to him the importance of the game and like that we you know it's so rare for us to get this far and all of that and i remember he was getting really excited because i couldn't see it i was just you know i was literally jumping and when that goal went in I was, that's what I was talking about, why I find it a bit difficult. I can't keep my emotions in check. When that happened, it might be one of the first times I really had a solid cry over football. Because I said, I don't care about the final now. I don't care. To have got through, was it the quarters and then the, the, the semis, both in such dramatic, you know, was, I, I, was that the Ajax or the Man City one? Was it Man, City? Man City was 4-3 defeat, but of course we went through on away goals. Yeah. yeah. Ajax, yeah. That, that, those two back-to-back... I sort of peaked. I was just like, all right, I can walk away from football now and, and never see another ball kick because it, I just thought it's never going to get any better than that. I mean, obviously, I don't know what it's like to, to win a Champions League or it's been a long time since we won the FA Cup and I've never seen us win the league. But that moment, that Lucas Moura goal was was just, I mean, my son was looking at me like, Dad, are you OK? I was like, you'll understand when you get older. Just we don't, we don't have many moments like this. It was just so fantastic. And... And I thought, you know, OK, so maybe, you know, this is not our year when we lost that terrible, boring, rubbish final to Liverpool. I thought, but it's a sign of things to come. We're, we're getting up there. And then, of course, it fell right back down again. And But as I say, I'm really hopeful that, um, you know, that we put in a good show. I think we'll, we've got a tough run of games at the end, haven't we? we haven't we got like four or five... You know, I looked at the fixtures the other day and I was like, oh, we've got a good period where we should do well. But I'm hoping all of our all of our squad come back. We're stronger. Everybody's fit or at least most are fit. I, I feel like top four is 
is really achievable this year. We just have yeah. to see how Aston Villa do. We have to see how Arsenal and Liverpool do, and and you know see if United can get out of the mess they're in. But I, I'm not too worried about United at the moment. I shouldn't say that out loud, but but I, I feel like top four is really achievable. And then it's a question of. We've got Champions League. Who, who do who do you entice to come in in the summer? Um, who do you get rid of? And and I, you know, like I said, I've got real great faith that Ange is going to pick the kind of players that he wants to build, the kind of squad that he wants. And you know, I think it's a really exciting time. I think um, I think we've, we've, we've the best is yet to come. Sean, you've already spoken about our new stadium, incredible place. Mm. Um, what what did you? Um, what's your favourite memories of the old stadium, White Hart Lane? And perhaps the best goal you've ever seen live? Oh, God, that's a good question. Um, well, do you know, funny, one of the ones that's more recent is, do you remember while we had that period where we were in Wembley for a while? Yeah. I took my wife's granddad to the Tottenham Real Madrid game where Ronaldo was playing. We won 3-1 that night. That was, I mean, I know that wasn't in White Hart Lane, but that was... Um, <laughs> I just remembered something. That was one of my favourite memories because I got to share that with my granddad, uh, her granddad, who's a, a real Tottenham fan. And that was really special. But do you know what? One of the things that I remember, it's bizarre, that two things that are a bit silly uh, that stand out and they weren't goals. It was it was like what it means to be at White Hart Lane and what it means to be surrounded by Tottenham fans. And there was, do you remember, was it just, who's the keeper that we had that we had the long hair? It wasn't Justin Eden. I can't remember his name now. How long ago were we talking? Uh, Ian Walker? Yes. Yes. He was the one with the long kind of hair down to here. Was it yeah. Walker? Justin Edinburgh was a... Yeah, he was a defender. He, he was bouncing the ball. And then he did this with his hair. And then he's bouncing the ball again. And some fan right behind, behind me just shouted, Don't worry, darling. Your hair's fine. And I just remember just laughing hysterically because I was like, you know, in America, there just isn't that, just not that same sense of humour and banter. He posed. He posed in magazines with uh, either nothing on or very little on. That's yeah. probably why he got that banter. Yeah. I, I, and, yeah, he, you know, fair play to him, but he, he wasn't the best keeper in the world. And there was, there was another, and my cousin Mark will remember this, we were just leaving the ground and we lost. I forget who we were playing. And there's a guy in front of me, you know, it's all packed. Uh, we're out, uh, you know, the old stand where police horses and all of that, throngs of people, and everyone's coming out, you know, annoyed, angry. Well, we should have done this, we should have done that. And there's a guy in front of me, and he, he comes face to face with a police horse and tries to go left, and tries to go right, and then he's like, oh, got a horse? And I was like, it's not the horse's fault we lost. Come on, man. So, you know, there's been great moments and great goals, but it's that feeling, it's that energy of being... Because, you know, here I feel so far away from Tottenham. And when I meet Tottenham fans, I'm like, hey, hey, we should hang out. We should be friends. But going back there and just being around your your fellow fans and, and especially seeing that, that run at the beginning of the season, those first two games, seeing the fans all singing, like all my mates send me videos and stuff. And I'm just like, come on. So I feel like we're just, we're poised, we're ready. We're ready for for a new chapter. And God, it's going to feel so good. Just, I don't I don't care what trophy it is. I mean, preferably FA Champions League uh, league or something. Because if we win the Caribou Cup, someone will go, yeah, that's not a real trophy. Yeah, it doesn't really count. Whatever we do, people are going to say. Do. People just love the fact that we haven't had a trophy for a while. And I just think, 
it's coming. I genuinely think it, it is coming. So uh, that will be really nice to to finally go. Should we stop that now? Just let it go. Sean, I think I worked it out correctly that you were 15 the last time we won the FA Cup in 1991. That's and right. I remember that against Forest, right? Yeah. It, it looks like Angie's going to go strong in this competition. We've got Manchester City coming up, of course, in the fourth round. How are you feeling ahead of that game? Well, when I saw the draw, because obviously my lad's all on WhatsApp, that oh, yeah, you're going to rub it, yeah, or we will. And, you know, you know, it's not a, a, a guess. I mean, Manchester City are, I suppose you could say, the best you know, team in the world at the moment. So, of course, that's a frightening prospect. But our record against them, we I would say that, that they were probably more bothered about that than us. They're probably like, oh, not Tottenham. They all seem to get some kind of result against us. So, you know, of course, it's going to be hard. Uh, it's it's going to be no cakewalk. But I, I think you're absolutely right. I think, sorry, I'm plugging in my computer. Um, I, I think if we get through Man City, because they are Man City, if we win that, then I think we would start to think, okay, this this is we've got one hand on the cup here. But it's the FA Cup; anything can happen. So I'm not presuming anything, but that's going to be a hell of a game. Especially, do we know if Madders is going to be back in time for that? Hopefully, hopefully, yeah. But also, it would be his first game back. So you know how 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 match fit is he? Uh, Mickey Van der Ven, you know, playing but not not ninety minutes fit. So. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, they've got Haaland missing, but they've got De Bruyne back. I mean, City are even with injuries, they're still they're still terrifying. They can hurt you from anywhere. So, yeah, I, I like I said, I'm an optimist. I believe um, is our first leg there. Is it just one leg? No, it's it's just one game, but it could go to a replay if it was a draw. But are we at home? We're at home. I fancy us. And, and, and the record, Sean, it might put a smile on your face, the record of Manchester City coming to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, played five, lost five, scored and zero. They've scored zero. I think I saw that on yours or another Tottenham thing, and I was like, oh, I like that. So I think, you know, the players will be aware of that. that but uh, I think Ange will set them up well. He'll, we know his style of play now. I was a bit concerned. Do you remember after the Chelsea game when someone said, well, why did you play such a high line when, you know, you'd lost and he goes, mate, we get the end of five players, I'm still playing that way. And I was like, yeah. don't tell everyone that. They'll know how to counteract. But I'm sure he knows what he's doing. But, um, yeah, I mean, why not us? Why not? Do you know what I mean? Uh, they they will be aware of their, their recent record and they will they will have a respectful kind of view of us and, and not think that this is going to be a cakewalk. But as I say, I think if we win that, the belief that this that this cup could be ours grows exponentially. You know what I mean? And as I say, as we start to bring back players from fitness and suspension and Asian Cup and things like that, we um, I think we're going to start to look like a, a worrying uh, opposition for anybody. You know, so we'll see. What an incredible season it would be! Top four in the FA Cup. Sean, I wanted to ask: in all the acting jobs that you've done, whilst mm. whilst on set. How much do you speak about football? And uh, have you seen or heard of any other Tottenham Hotspur fans, famous actors that perhaps we don't know are Spurs fans? And I also wanted to ask you about what it was like working with the likes of Matt Lucas, who is a big Arsenal fan. <laughs> well, I don't, I've got quite a lot of mates who are Arsenal fans, some, some actors, some not. But Matt is probably the biggest one for banter. 
yeah. he loves because I don't I don't post on social media about a good result or a bad because I feel I know like I noticed. opens the floodgates of like you know and I just I don't want to argue with idiots on the internet. But Matt, I, like occasionally, like if we'll beat them, I'll just be like, yeah, okay, you're right. Do you want some chocolate? You're right. And he will, you know, uh, uh, absolutely do the same thing. Uh, he takes the banter pretty seriously. He's a really passionate Arsenal fan. Like it's it's chocolate boys, uh, uh, men, uh, and Arsenal. They're his three favourite things. I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying that. But um, he uh, he's he's good for the banter. He really is. And and you know, I think that's part of football is is sticking it to your mates when you've beaten them. And then if you lose, I'm just like, don't talk to me. Turn the phone off. I, I can't hear it. I'm still in my senses. I'll, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll deal with it tomorrow when I've got my my emotions in check. But I mean, yeah, those those games, as I, I said earlier, also I grew up a lot around a lot of West Ham fans. So even though they might not seem quite as uh, much of our nemesis, but I think even more than Arsenal, I mean, it's obviously got to be Arsenal first, but Chelsea, I have a real, you know, I have an axe to grind with Chelsea. I, I you know, It's one of those games to watch. If they beat us, I'm like, just please, nobody talk to me for 24 hours. I need to... I need to just go walk in the desert because it just, I don't know why, I don't know why them so much, but it just, it really, really irks me, you know, but luckily they're rubbish at the moment. So, <laughs> Sean, I know you've said before that you'd love to play James Bond. So yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a situation here, playing James Bond for one film or being in a Tottenham Hotspur shirt, scoring the winning goal in the last minute. What would you prefer? Oh God. Oh wow! Is that your oh, dream job, by the way, Bond? I mean, yeah. I mean, there's, there's. I think there's very few Irish, British, Scottish, Welsh actors that that don't see it as you know the role to get. I mean, once you're James Bond, you're James Bond. You know, you walk in anywhere, everyone goes, oh, "It's James Bond." Do you know what I mean? Uh, but the thing is, the fame level that comes with playing Bond, I think, because I had a touch of being quite well-known for a period during the EastEnders and the music theatre. Now, you know, when you're a young actor, you think, I really want to be successful. I really want to be famous. And then when you actually get famous, you realise this is not what you think it is. And, you know, I, I, my mates are working class lads. We go to the pub. I don't go to fancy show busy places. I go to the pub with my mates and stuff like that. And, you know, at the height of that being recognisable, the amount of times I got hit in the face, the back of the head, you know what I mean? You're like, it's just not worth it. I mean, I've, I've hung out with David Beckham a little bit and Robbie Williams a little bit, and you just see the level of fame that they're at. It's kind of unmanageable. So I think being Bond, yeah. uh, and also I think Daniel Craig was so good as Bond, I don't envy whoever's trying to go next because I think they're going to be, it's going to be a tough, tough one to fill. So for that reason, um, I mean, to score a winning goal in a Tottenham shirt, I mean that's it. That's 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 it. That's I think it doesn't get any bigger than that. As long as my kids are healthy and my wife and everyone's safe, I'm like, yeah, that's that's I mean, even I went on the pitch, Paul Coit interviewed me on the pitch at White Hart Lane, and just standing on the pitch, I was like, I'm on the pitch. Now I know you've done it a few times, but as somebody who loves and is passionate about football and plays on you know, you know, once a week, twice a week. To stand on that pitch and look out at the fans and everything, it was incredible. Really, yeah, really special. And you know, it's 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 a lifelong love affair, even when it's bad. You know, my son said to me, "Can we change teams?" I was like, "Now listen to me. 
It's one of the rules about football. Doesn't matter how bad it's going. You do not do. This isn't like marriage. You can't just divorce your football. That's easy. Football is for life. Football is life. You know. So, um, but as I say, I, th I think my son sort of joining the ranks of, of being a Tottenham fan at a good time because I think the next few years are going to be positive for us. Um, he hasn't had to sit through. I mean, God, do you remember George Graham? Do you remember, you know, uh, 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 God, what's his name? David Pleat. And, and, you know, we've just had a little, so many mediocre kind of guys that I think, and I think because of the stadium and because of, you know, Tottenham's popularity around the world, and now with Ange and the kind of ball that we're playing, that's what I was saying, you know, earlier, come the summer, especially if we look like we're going to Champions League, I think that the kind of talent that we can attract is very, very different to to almost any time in recent years, you know? It's weird, though, Sean. The, like, you know, mentioned George Graham there and Ramos, who, <laughs> you know, not a lot of people actually have time for. They're the last two managers to win us trophies. Um, yeah. Next question I wanted to ask you, if you could have dinner with any Spurs player or manager, past or present, who would it be and why? Well, like you said earlier, Harry Redknapp's just a ledge. Do you know what I mean? I, I just An evening with Harry would just be a lovely evening, even if he wasn't an ex-Spurs manager. He's just, he's just what you see is what you get. He's a geezer. Yeah. He knows football. He's no BS. Um, so Harry's obviously there. But like I said earlier, I, I, I've got a little bit of an obsession with Ange Postecoglou. I, I mean, I really, really want to meet him and talk to him. Um, and Sonny... You know, is there anybody that hates Sonny? Even Arsenal fans are like you, you can't not you can't not love Sonny. He's just he is the perfect ambassador. Yeah, perfect. he plays with a smile on his face. He he just does everything so right. So yeah, I mean, when I saw Tom Holland uh, sitting down with Sonny, I was like, damn you, Tom Holland! Just because you're Spider Man, you get to have a chat with him. So uh, I would love. You know, I'm really looking forward to coming back to the club and. You know, before I go to the lounge afterwards and you meet some of the players, but also speaking to the old veteran players, you know, like, you know, uh, Martin Shivers and Pat Jennings and stuff like that. I just, I'm like a kid in a candy store. I normally bring somebody with me, my, my wife or my sister or cousin. And we just, I remember once at half time, we were sitting at a table with John Motson. And uh, I was like, it's John Motson. It's John Motson. I mean, I could see a Hollywood star and it would mean much less to me than John Motson. And I was like... John, how do you think the game's going? And then that voice goes, well, I think it's a tough game. And I was like, John Watson talking. Yeah. So I, I just geek out at, at, at uh, footballers, old footballers. So, but but I think Ange and Sonny and possibly Harry Redknapp would, would be, that would be a lovely dinner, the four of us, I think. I'd enjoy that. They probably wouldn't, but I would. <laughs> Sean, I've asked you about your favourite players. Who do you think have been the worst players ever to put on a Spurs shirt? Oh god, that's a good one. Um or players that you've been really disappointed by that when we bought them. Uh, it's difficult because I try not to focus on the bits that I don't like, but um oh god, um I, I, my mind's drawn a blank. Um let's let's move on. F favorite Spurs kit. Ooh. That's I quite like the Hummel kits back in the was that the late eighties early mid eighties. Um, do you, do I like, you still buy them? Do you still wear them? 
Do you know what? I never used to, but now because my son's so into it, when we went back to to do the tour of the ground and everything, I bought him a full kit and all of the stuff. And I bought my other son, who's not as much into football, but we we all got kits. My little daughter, who's two, I was like, she's got to have a baby grow. She's got to have a T-shirt. I needed everybody in the family kitted out. It might be like some strange form of torture. But um, I kind of, the, the last few years, I, I like I like our kits. We've, we've, we've had some good, who's ever in charge has been making some nicer stuff lately. I, I'm never keen on the collars one. I, I, I never think that they look sharp enough. But I like the more streamlined ones for obviously you can't grab them and stuff. But uh, I think all of the apparels got, got a lot better over the last sort of five, ten years. Everything seems to be going up a gear. So, yeah, I will. I mean, when I come back again, uh, I think I'll take my boys to the store and, and we'll get we'll get a bit more. We'll, we'll put a few more dollars, pounds in the coffers for Tottenham. <laughs> so we'll some more players. Yeah. That'll, that'll take that'll take the uh, the load off the 20 60 80 100 million that they've got to spend on one player sure what's the most unpopular opinion you hold to do a tottenham <laughs> probably that they're going to win something soon my <laughs> mates will tell me how wrong i am and i'm like okay well you know what you expect me to be wrong but if i'm right and we do actually end up winning something um but um or the other, it's just the stupid stuff that, oh, Tottenham aren't a big club. I'm like, you know what, you're right that they haven't won a trophy for 14 years or whatever it is, but they they are a big club. Do you know what I mean? Around the world, wherever you go, they, they are considered a big club. Now, obviously, that, that trophy is missing, but, you know, it's it's ridiculous to say that they're not. So I think that that's, that's a, silly, a silly thing to throw at Spurs fans. Sean, last few questions for you. What's still on your bucket list? Of course, you've achieved so much so far in your career, but what's still on the bucket list for, for left for you to do? Um, well, the thing that I'm working on at the moment um, has been a really long time coming. It's something that I wrote about 25 years ago and kind of put it on a shelf. It, it just didn't feel like the right time. And now certain things have transpired that it does feel like the right time. And I think... I'm very singular at the moment. I mean, I've got a movie out next year in, um, I'm not sure when it's out, but I, I made a movie in the spring last year, just before the strikes happened with John Voight, um, who's an incredible Oscar-winning actor, amazing um, guy to work with. And um, he called me a couple of weeks ago and just said, I just saw the movie and it's really good. So I'm really, really hopeful that that movie is as good as, as he said it was because I think that's going to be in the theatres. I, I, I went over to the Caribbean in the summer because I, I got asked to do the 100th episode of Death in Paradise, because I was in the very first episode. So they said, would you come back and reprise the role for the 100th episode? And I was like, can I bring my wife and family to the Caribbean? They're like, yes, of course. I was like, come on, kids, we're going. We're going to the Caribbean. Haven't read the script, doesn't matter. We're going to the Caribbean. <laughs> so uh, I've heard that the episode looks good. That's actually coming on um, in, a, in a couple of weeks or, or at the beginning of Feb, I'm not sure, but on BBC. So it'll be nice to be back on the BBC because I haven't done anything for them for a while. And as I say, this project that I'm developing at the moment, I'm really, really hopeful that we're going to shoot in the UK this year. And I hope it's out, you know, towards the end of the year. And that's that one's really personal. Uh, it's, you know, I've written it, I'm producing it, I'm starring in it. And so I don't know if I'll have ever had so much investment in something as, as I will this. Um, so 
Uh, and it's funny because it's sort of, I won't go into too much about what it's about, but there will be uh, there will be some Tottenham references peppered throughout because I'm writing it. Love there's it. There's definitely going to be some old Tottenham posters up around the place. So, yeah, and I'm just, I'm really, really looking forward to coming back and, and seeing a game in the new stadium because to walk around it was just magic. But, um, you know, when you go there, you're like, come on now, let's see the game. So I hope, I hope before the end of this season, uh, I'm talking to you in person. Absolutely. It'll be a pleasure. Um, Sean, you, you've set up the Players Conservatory, a virtual and in-person school for acting, creative writing and songwriting. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, that, you know, I come from a family of teachers. My family teach Irish dancing and, and all of them are in river dance and all of that sort of thing. And so teaching is sort of in our blood. And when the pandemic happened and we all kind of realised nobody's kind of going anywhere for a minute, I just thought, this is going to go on for a long time and I can't, I, I have great difficulty in sitting around doing nothing. I can't, I just, uh, it's not good for me mentally. And so I thought, oh, maybe I'll I'll start a little online thing. Cause I've been asked for years. A lot of people are like, how do you get into it? My kids really want to do it, but it's really difficult to answer. There's no clear cut thing. Like with football, you'd say play as often as possible, try and get seen by coaches, try and join an academy. But with acting, there's no one clear path, but learning the craft is something that is, vital to do so I thought I'll you know what I'll try this just to entertain me and maybe give some opportunities to people to sort of help them get started and it just kind of really took off and and um it's been great and we're sort of three years old now and it's a lovely thing for me to be able to do I mean I can do it from right here I don't have to travel anywhere um and and you know we've had probably about five or six actors now find agents book their first jobs uh, join drama school and you know I love what I do with so much passion and I know anybody it's like somebody who loves football and really wants to play you know it's that singular focus and when I meet young people that want to act um, it's a wonderful feeling being able to try and help them get where they're going and to see people succeed has been uh, I, I didn't really ever think of it that far but um, having a few actors get their first jobs has been I think it's also it's a benevolent art form. You're supposed to leave the ladder down for the next people to climb up. It's not an all, I'm all right, Jack kind of industry, despite what people might think. And so I, um, that's just been an amazing thing. And, and working with uh, whether it's adults or kids and we have people that are differently abled, that have never had the confidence because they're autistic or because they have cerebral palsy or anything like that. Um, giving them an opportunity to find their community and, and seeing them, uh, you know, build a group, a little sorority or fraternity of friends has been one of the great surprises of the last few years. And it, you know, it's all born out of a, a horrible time when we were all enduring the pandemic. So yeah, the Players Conservatory, if anybody has kids or uh, somebody they know is an, uh, you know, want to be an actor, but they've never, they've never known where to go. Just look us up on the Players Conservatory and we'll, we'll help you find your way. Fantastic. Sean, last question for you. Um, what's the one question you always want to be asked in an interview, but no one ever asks? Oh, God, that's a good question. Um, I don't know, because I never I never really think about it in those terms. I, I, I'm just trying to answer without making a complete idiot of myself. But I... I Is this your first ever podcast on Tottenham? Yes, yes, it is. That's why I was having banter with my brothers, brothers and my cousins. They're like, 
but whenever you talk about football, you sound like an idiot. And I was like, well, you also sound like an idiot. None of us are professionals here. Uh, but yeah, this is my first one. So if my brothers and cousins, as soon as I get off the, the interview, I'm sure I'll have you knob. You idiot. You'll have feedback. Yeah, of course. They'll be like, how could you not think of the players we hate? And they'll list, they will list 10 players. And I'll go, oh, God, yeah. Why did I think of him? Why did I think of him? But it's hard, point blank. But the question I've never been asked that I'd like to be asked um, is uh, 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 would you like to kind? Uh, would you like to come and join the Marvel universe, the Star Wars <laughs> universe? Anything that gives me like three movies to shoot over the next six years, I'd be like, great. Now I know what I'm doing for the next six years. But yeah, I think the question you want to be asked is, come and join a show. Uh, not in an interview, obviously, but um, come and join a show like Succession or something like that. Uh, I think that that's my aspirations for where I want to go, but and that show's finished now. But uh, I don't know. I'll have to think about that, and then when I see you in person at uh, at Tottenham, I'll go. This is the question I need to be asked. Well, Sean, hopefully you'll come back on the Spurs Chat podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. I tell you what, when I did some research on you for this show, I wrote so many questions, and I feel like we've only just touched on your acting career. And it's huh. so more to talk about Spurs. So honestly, it's so much more fun for me to talk about Tottenham than me. Uh, it's it's much more. I think it's much more interesting for your viewer as well. Your viewers, I should say, not just one of them. But no, thank you, mate. It's been a real pleasure. And um, you know, as I say, I've been I've been watching your 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 posts and your videos for a while now, and it keeps me close to keeping up with everything that's happened. So so thanks. For, you know, on behalf of all the Spurs fans, thanks for everything that you do. Thank you so much. And uh, Sean, look forward to having you on again in the very near future. And of course, look forward to seeing you at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And hopefully Spurs can lift a trophy by the end of the season, the FA Cup. Here we go. Um, mm -hmm. Thanks for watching, everyone. Thanks for listening. And until the next time, come on, you Spurs. Cheers, mate. Thanks, Chris. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com